everybody, welcome to episode 129 of For the Love of Guns. This is the podcast about the people, the products, and the priorities of the firearms culture. Today, we're going to talk about upgrades to the SIG P320. Now, I've got a special guest on. It's Alex from AB Prototype, and this is the guy I buy my SIG parts from. Um, a lot of my videos you've seen of SIGs, it's their parts inside those guns. And uh, definitely want to listen to this guy because he's been doing this for a while. He escaped California, went to Tennessee. But what's really cool is this is my X5. This is my competition gun. Alex has been turning P320s into 10 millimeters before SIG did. So you're definitely going to want to listen to this. But before we get a chance to talk to Alex, it's time to really show some love for the people who bring this podcast to you. That's right. It's the sponsors. And this podcast is sponsored by Falco Holsters. And I just got another Falco holster in right here. It's another shoulder holster for my 365XL with a TRL7 sub. Um, as you can see, sorry for everybody on the audio side, but for the video side, you can see I'm seasoning this thing right now for that gun. I love Falco because of the quality, and you're going to love it too. Go check out Falco Holsters because they can build a holster for any gun, every budget without sacrificing quality. If you use the checkout code Banshee, you'll save 10% on your order. I have a link down below. Now, this is also brought to you by Ammo Squared. We're gun people. We need ammo. We like convenience. But Ammo Squared's doing things a little bit different. I mean, they definitely have the convenience. They got a great online ammo trading platform. That's right, ammo trading. They're thinking about things differently with ammo. They're thinking about it as an asset class. Go check out Ammo Squared because they've got this thing figured out. It's really cool. I have a link down below. Now, Alex, I've been buying your parts for a while. Definitely go tell everybody in the audience about your organization. Tell us about your love of guns. So my name is Alex uh, from AB Prototype. I'm the owner. Uh, we are based out of Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Um, and we've been here in Tennessee for almost about three years now and started um, our life in uh, California uh, as an FFL doing all kinds of FFL stuff um, back in 2015. So uh in 2021 just at the beginning of 2021 we moved to tennessee and haven't looked back <laughs> well it's kind of funny because i've known you from back when you're in california um i actually came across you because i was building what what's now the infamous congress gun which is what friends of mine say was my first muck one build okay. uh, that was a video that was on youtube that a letter from five congressmen took, took five, a letter from five congressmen to take that video down. Um, oh, wow. But back then, I was you know I was doing I was I was doing this build, and um, I ran into you. Actually, I think I ran into you from Cal on the Cal Guns board because um, people were looking for parts, and so I was like, okay, well I got I got to build this thing. Um, so I bought I bought parts off you, <laughs> and then that gun happened and then it was just kind of a really cool thing because it was such an easy transaction but back then parts were not available like they are now correct yeah when that... go ahead go you ahead. were actually parting guns out back then right 
it was yeah i would say it was it was uh, a little of both um but because because the p320 was so new i think to the market there were there there was no parts availability no aftermarket um it was just non-existent the i, I think well, obviously the military contract um yeah that, that. That, didn't, that didn't hurt the availability of parts did it so um but then kind of from there there on out uh there was you know more and more aftermarket support um as well as support from sig whether they knew it or not um but they were uh little by little just releasing you know more parts internal parts um, obviously their, their whole push on the P320, uh, and then later the P365 was the modularity aspect. And yeah. so to really get that going, I, I believe they, they just understood that they had to get parts out there. So there was also the 80% market, um, which I'm sure had a big impact in that as well. And that's, that's kind of where we started with the P320. It's, um, you know, knowing that, that, uh, that MUP one was available, people were going to need parts for it. So that's, that's kind of where we started, at least in that aspect. Yeah. And it's kind of funny thinking about, you know, it seems like SIG really embraced aftermarket much faster than other companies. And I'm guessing it's, I'm guessing they learned the lesson from Glock, right? Cause yeah. Glock came out and we're Glock. This is a Glock. It should be a Glock. And then aftermarket parts started showing up. And then, well, then it became that you could build a Glock without one single Glock part. <laughs> and then SIG kind of, I, I guess they just kind of learned this thing because they, it's like they embraced it. You know, somebody came out with a new grip, you know, grip module and they're just like, hey, this is awesome. Check this thing out. Because Let's, they're not making their money off the grip module. They're making their money off the FCU. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, we we kind of caught on to that as well. As, uh, I would say, I'm sure it was an idea in SIG, but before that FCU, you know, the Custom Works FCU came out, um, we were building up FCUs that were left over from parts, uh, parts kits. Um, and... Uh, you know, selling those as either either complete or partially complete or custom built with aftermarket triggers and internal components, uh, you know, using a lot of like um, gray guns, triggers, apex triggers, agency, couple couple of those and, and essentially building an FCU for a customer or even for a complete pistol um, from the ground up, whether well, we didn't build the 80 percent, but, uh, right. you know, whether somebody was building the 80s or um, we could then, we could also build the uh, complete FCUs as well, serialized. And that ones. was cool because now you have all the like these FCUs because like, you know you have guns that got parted out. Because you, if you went out to to the auction sites, you would see just the blank FCUs like everywhere, right? Correct. Because everybody <laughs> grabbed all the parts out of it and sold the parts. But it's kind of nice because then at that point, you were basically building up an FCU where. You know, someone could go, okay, you know, I'm going to, if I buy an, if I buy a SIG P320, I can do a gray guns and I can do this, that, but then you're like, or we just have it here for you. Right. Yep. This is, yep. done. Exactly. you know, instead of being, you know, the kitchen gunsmith, you know, kitchen table gunsmith, we'll just do it for you. 
and sell it to you. And here you go. Here's an upgraded FCU for you. Yep. Yeah. So cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah. We, I mean, and we're, we're still doing that and, you know, we'd like to give people options obviously for um, just different, different things that they'd like to upgrade. Um, Even with the custom works ones uh, we offer, you know, trigger options and things like that as well. Um, but, uh, oh yeah. And the other thing, um, that I think we, we were one of the, I mean, I don't know if one of the only services, uh, out there. And I think maybe currently, um, offering the manual safety cuts. So for it's funny. I was, gonna, I was going to go into well, that because I, you're like the only one I know that does that. Um, I've said, I've got so many comments on, on videos off of YouTube. They're like, where did you get that done? I'm like, uh, go talk to Alex. (laughs) Um, he, he, he cut that, he cut that FCU. And, um, because I don't know anybody else. I I mean, some people call it a butterfly cut. Some people call it a bow tie cut. It's, it's the safety cut off the right hand side. And what, what got you into that? I mean, I mean, there's obviously a market for it. Correct. And yeah. Especially, um, especially now with people being a little nervous about the P320. Yeah, it, it definitely the interest increases as, um, you know, as these stories come out about, uh, you know, the P320s firing unintentionally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it does kind of increase with uh with that um but even from the beginning i would say we kind of started with that actually with the in the 80 percent market um because that actually was not an option initially from jsd supply uh to have him up one with a manual safety cut uh so we kind of started with that we're like well why why couldn't you have an 80 percent with the manual safety cut already in it bend the tabs complete the holes and so on and so forth and have your you know essentially build a clone um, of an M17 at the time. And now, and, you know, and then later they came out with the M18 um, or just the adding manual safety in general to any of the P320s. Um, so that was something that we kind of uh, started with and then realized very quickly that people wanted to add manual safeties to their existing P320s that were already serialized, um, whether 80% or not. And uh, so it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, and actually, oh, so I was going to mention that I think one of the one of the stories I guess I heard um, about the MUP one and the whole manual safety thing is it was um, that they they had issues initially, and this is I guess just kind of hearsay from JSD Supply that. Um, adding any holes to their existing uh, 80% FCU was going to change their determination letter, which I think that's the case. Yeah, with once, once it's, de- once, once they've made their determination, you can't change the configuration or you have to get yep. it, you know, reanalyzed. Yeah, you gotta get, they would basically need two determination letters. They would need Correct. one with and one without. Correct. And I think the, so initially, so they had, um, they had a lot of back and forth from what I understand with the ATF with the original MUP one. Um, and they just kept having to remove holes and remove features. Yeah. Um, and so I think that kind of what's, what 
prevented them, or at least in their mind, prevented them from adding the manual safety hole, thinking that the ATF would, um, you know, reject it and not say it's an 80% anymore. So, uh, you know, knowing, well, I think we learned that after the fact, but knowing that the, the ATF uh, changes their determination on modifications uh, or after modifications of an 80%, uh, we, we submitted our own sample to ATF to get that determination letter and, um, you know, wrote up a, I think it was like a two or three page PDF showing the changes and what our modification does. It, you know, it doesn't actually allow you to install yeah. any of the pins or parts or anything. It's more just like a, a detent it's feature. A, yeah, it's a guide. It's yeah. ba basically what it is, just a guide for that safety to ride along. Correct. And then the detent to, to extend out. Yeah. Correct. So, so yes, we did, we did receive our determination letter for that modification. And that's when we started doing the 80% as well as um, the serialized, uh, you know, SIG um, FCUs since we were, or still are an FFL um, and could do that as well. So um, it's all CNC machined um, and, uh, you know, essentially pre-programmed and machined to, you know, SIG's dimensions. Um, and I mean, to date, we've probably done, I would say, close to a thousand within a few years or so. Now, did you have to like measure that out or did you get like a diagram from SIG with the dimensions? <laughs> um, no, we unfortunately, SIG wouldn't provide uh, us with any of that information. So you had to um, reverse engineer it. Yeah. So we had to reverse engineer it. Uh, you know, obviously we had a lot of samples already from the M17 and actually I think it was the only, only the M17s available at that, at that time yep. and some 320s with a safety as well, uh, non, you know, non M17 versions. So we had, we had quite a few to reference off of, um, and then, um, just kind of go from there. So how long did it take you to reverse engineer that? I mean, it's, it, it's not. It's an odd shaped cut, but it's not like it's a difficult cut, especially for a machine shop. Correct. Um, I don't remember time frame. You know, it's like you sit down a couple times and you you try it out. And uh, we we actually we did some measuring. Um, we had a buddy of ours that had um, I want to say it was like a CMM. So he did some measurements using that, obviously referencing a yeah. few of the other holes. And that's that's where we, you know, we're able to awesome. to get that from. Yeah, because that's it, it's funny. So I only have, I, I've got three. I, no, not three. <laughs> got six P three twenties. It's funny is only one of them has a manual safety, and it's the FCU I got from you. But <laughs> uh, that's like the only manual safety, and um, it, it's so funny to think about that now. I mean, to get. To get that safety put in, it's it. I think your fees are only like fifty five bucks, right? Uh, like correct. Yeah, it's still know? it's still fifty five for the machining. Um, you know, obviously we, um, you know, if we can sell the customer the parts. We, you know, we don't mind doing that as well. Yeah. Um, so yes, we do, we do that quite a bit. Where somebody sends us their FCU, uh, either stripped or complete, we machine it. Um, and either install the manual safety parts that they provide or we provide and ship it back all tested, ready to go, drop into your grip, 
install your slide and you're done. Um, so that is still a um, pretty popular service we offer uh, in addition to the complete manual safety uh, conversion for the P320. Um, Which is funny because that, that's where I got my first, like with that FCU, I got my first parts from you for that too. <laughs> yeah, and I, I imagine back then they weren't as easy to find. Um, no, they were hard. They were Yeah, so we were hard. one of the, the few, I think that first we, we had a, um, I don't think we were buying them yet from SIG, but we did have a source um, that was connected with SIG um, that that we could buy them from. And and they, you know, they checked with SIG and everything as far as being able to sell with, to us. So um, so we were all kosher there. Um, and then uh, little by little, SIG started releasing more of these internal parts, including the manual safety components. So that made our job quite a bit easier. And instead of being out of stock for months at a time, we, um, you know, we could have these parts pretty readily available um, to do these conversions. Yeah, it, and it's so funny thinking about that because I, you know, I think about all the comments I get on videos, and you know, I did a I did a video of like how to take a manual safety and turn it into a you know a no safety version mm, okay. because you can go that way. Correct. It's the other direction is where you need a machine shop for, um, yes. the, to put that cut into there. And people are just like, I, I get so many comments, like I've got my P320 and I want to put a manual safety in it. I'm like, you need to talk to Alex over at AB Prototype. He's, <laughs> he's like the only one that I know that does this. Um, I appreciate it. Um, and it's, it's great because, I mean, you got, you got a great service. You got some great products there. Um, I. I've never had a problem with AV prototype and I've never had bad comments even come back about it. Um, so it, it's, it's one of those things of you had a product and a service that I really believed in. And I was like, I really want people to go there. If you're going to do this, um, don't, don't try to figure this one out on your own. This is, you could really screw an FCU up really quick trying to do this. True. Um, there are some jigs a, out. This is not a drill press thing. Yeah, the, we we thought about that, um, especially with the eighty percent market. Right there, there yeah. were quite a, quite a few customers that didn't want to send us their eighty percent uh, firearm. You know, which is understandable because yeah. we have to log it in, log it out, so on and so forth. Um, so we we thought about uh, possibilities of a jig. Um, and kind of backed away from it a bit just just because of the complexity of it um and even well, plus, still aren't really plus pursuing. that fcu for for anybody out there that has not built a um you know a muck one or an 80 percent p320 you do not realize how hard that metal is yeah until you start building one i mean that That's is right. That has got to be the hardest, densest steel that I have ever drilled into. Um, and like, I, I swear, it's like you might get two SCUs out of a drill bit. Um, <laughs> you're definitely burning up a bunch of Dremel bits doing this. Yes. Um, yeah, definitely. That stuff, that stuff's hard. Yep. Um. So, so I have, so since then I have seen a few, uh, jigs out there. 
Um, I don't have any experience with them, so I, I couldn't say whether it's it's um, feasible or not. I mean, it looks like some people have tried it. We've seen we've we've seen a few attempts. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it, yeah, there's it didn't turn out well, did they? <laughs> no, and there's really no way to correct it. Um, that's yeah. you know cost effective because uh, even remachining it, if you've already gone kind of outside of that contour, it's it's, done. it's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's like the old 80% AR jigs where it used to be you would drill a, a series of holes. Correct. Yep. And, and it's just like, I, I've seen so many, I've seen so many pictures of really bad jobs done, done on that. Yes. Um, and then like somebody came out with like the sticker jig and they like, you put the sticker on it and then you drill. And just and those, trace. It would come out even worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's um... just, just leave that one to the professionals. <laughs> Yep. So now you, you know, back then you were in California. You mm -hmm. you escaped the California because I remember, you know, I actually I, I remember the posts. Like you started posting pictures of a storefront, and you're like you're in Tennessee. I'm like, wait, you moved to Tennessee. What? <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about your migration east. Sure. Um. So so we did have we did have a storefront in San Diego for. I want to say two years uh, or just about two years, um, but it was limited. I was only open um, a few days a week in the evenings. So essentially it was a, it was a second job. Um, but uh, with, you know, we could see the writing on the walls in California every year. It was another regulation. They started regulating 80% stuff as well, like writing it into law. So, that yep. kind of closed that down as far as uh, our market in the 80% world for California. Um, but, you know, still people needed parts. So that, that um, still kept us going. And then obviously the storefront as an FFL selling firearms, doing transfers um, and doing the gunsmithing as well. And just not specifically SIG, but modern semi-auto pistols and rifles. Um, so, like I said, writing was on the wall. It was, um, it was just kind of a good, good, op yeah, good opportunity, uh, to leave, um, just kind of with the way things were going in late, you know, 2020, 2021. Um, of course you did this all during the most awkward time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, it's so like, this was the worst time possible to do this, but you did it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was good and bad, I guess. Um, our sale, believe it or not, our gun sales were going through the roof um, because people were worried about everything yep. going on. So, um, you know, we were kind of leaving that behind, um, but that gave us the opportunity to kind of start new uh, in a, in a kind of a better place to do a, a gun business. Um, so and why, why Tennessee? What, what was it about Tennessee? Because what's going through my mind was, is that you moved to Tennessee and Matrix Precision moved to Tennessee too. It's like, uh, Tennessee suddenly they, started doing like this yeah. industry. So um, I, I think they're not quite in Tennessee. They're next door. They're in North Carolina. They're in North Carolina. That's right. Yes. yes. Yeah. 
Um, but yes, it, it, <laughs> in San Diego, yeah, they were about 20, 20 minutes from us. And um, we used them a little bit for some of our machining and, and um, uh, you know, things like that. So um, that was just coincidence. Like I, I wasn't aware they were, they were moving to North Carolina and they may not have been aware that we were moving to Tennessee in, until, you know, shortly before moving. Um, but so, so we, so my, my wife and I, and, you know, we've got kids and stuff and we kind of decided on Tennessee, just um, we didn't know anybody out here. Uh, we knew it was kind of the land of the free, I guess, as much as it could be in, in the U S. Um, and, uh, there was a much cheaper cost of living. So, um, I, I could focus on my, you know, this business, AB prototype, uh, hundred percent of the time. So rather than kind of juggling the two jobs and the shop open in the evenings, um, it's, we decided it's that. Yeah, to just like, all right, let's let's bite bite the bullet and um, just do this full time, and just kind of go for it. Yeah, because because when I was an FFL, you know, I was a part time FFL, mm-hmm. and it's tough. It's tough juggling out a day job plus you know your your second job being a gun dealer, and you're always like, okay, now I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to transfer. Um, you got to make sure you're available to customers, but yet you still have like the day job that's like actually paying the bills. Correct. Um, <laughs> and you know, I wanted to, I wanted to grow the business, and I started looking at how much it was going to take me to grow the business. And um, you know, because I started going in, uh, expanding into Saracote and that type of work. Okay. Yep. Um, I actually, why I started my channel was, is I was doing Saracote work, and I was sick of taking people's guns apart and putting them back together. It was easier for me to do videos about how to do that stuff than it was to actually do it. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, then it's just like, well, the amount of money to continue to do the FFL stuff versus doing content creation. Yeah, I'm just going to do the content creation. Um, you know, at the, at the time here in Helena, you couldn't throw a rock without hitting an FFL. Um, <laughs> that's that has since changed. Now, I, I know, you know, here in Montana, it was extremely easy for me to get my license. You know, it was it was really, you know, I filled out all the forms. I had my interview with the ATF. Um, you know, it, it was the, it's not like my it's not like my um, my sheriff, who's who's a Democrat. Um, he, he could care less. The state could care less. But I would imagine getting that license in California must have been. A nightmare to get through yes um and i, I mean if, if if i look back at how i started i think that that was kind of or that was what i felt was a niche is to be able to do that in southern california and kind of navigate the california laws to be able to do that um believe it or not i actually started out at, in out of my residence um just out of my garage as an FFL and everybody I talked to said, no, no, you can't do that. I'm like, well, here's my FFL that says I can. (laughs) Um, That's what mine was. Mine was out of my house. Yeah. Um, So I did, I did have to talk to, uh, uh, well, yeah, I think the toughest restriction was the city. 
So, um, you know, they think, well, you're going to be selling guns and you're going to have yeah. a store outside of your, you know, in your garage, which wasn't the case. Um, I was starting it as a, uh, you know, gunsmithing, doing a little yeah. bit of Cerakoting, um, you know, working on guns and selling parts, not out of my residence, but online. Um, yeah. And then just having to have that FFL to be able to, you know, get parts, get, um, you know, the pistols and things that I need to make parts out of. Yeah. <laughs> um, and even, even just for reference too, to be able to know, okay, you know, say in the example of the manual safety cut to know, to be able to get a, um, pistol that's off roster in California. Um, oh as yeah. Reference. I, you know I didn't even, and I know that, yeah. and I didn't, that didn't even hit me about the off roster work. Yeah. 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 So yes, California, uh, up until recently, um, you couldn't get, uh, the six RP three twenty. But um, it was just just that one version that M18 that California M18 is now on roster as of a few months ago. Um, but uh, but yeah, back when we started that, you know, it was kind of law enforcement only or, yep. um, you know, bringing it in out of state when you're moving um, and so on and so forth. So that that definitely helped. Um, and. But yeah, yeah, navigating that California, the California gun laws, and that was part of the reason for moving, was just them getting stricter and stricter. And because yeah, um, I know, um, you know, because I, I I used to sell. I, my thing was is I had the the Beretta Cheetahs, the eighty the eighty five Fs and the and the uh, the eighty five Fs and the eighty four Fs. Um, they came. They hit the surplus market like crazy. Um, and I was buying these things up and rehabbing them, selling them. And then, you know, I would get a buyer from California because I was selling them online. And it's just like, God, really, you're going to make me ship a gun in California. And, and what's funny is it's, it's actually not that hard. I mean, you know, I registered with the California Department of Justice. And really, when I sold a gun, I had to go into their system saying it was like one pistol. And it's going to, you know, and I'd have the, the, the license number for the FSL, right. the California license. CFD, yep. Yeah. And I put it in there and then it spit out a piece of paper. It didn't even ask me what, what I was shipping in. Just, they just knew it was a pistol. Sure. Um, so it wasn't that hard as an FFL, but you're just like, your heart kind of sinks. Like, really? I'm sending this thing to California. <laughs> I was like, you want to do it because you don't want, you want them, you want those people to have their rights. Sure. It's just like, damn it. <laughs> one so, one extra step. One extra step. Yeah, one extra step. Kind of um, outside of the hard. norm. It, yeah. was, it wasn't a hard thing. It, just, it was something that I did because I just wanted to make sure that the people in California would not be screwed out of what they could get. True. Now, True. getting your license in Tennessee, completely different than California or um, still yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would, I would say, um, it, it much different. Um, there's less, there's less state requirements. There's still some state requirements, obviously. Um, you know, but it's typical to any, any state, yeah. you know, business licenses, um, things like that. But Tennessee doesn't require any, any state license for, uh, firearm sales other than just, um, enrolling into their, their, uh, their check system, like kind of like yeah. Nick's. Right in Tennessee, you don't um, you don't deal directly with NICS. You do deal with TBI, with Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. 
and they run the Knicks checks. Um, so as an FFL, you can kind of sign up for their system and run all the checks that way. Um, and then obviously the, the, the same federal ATF, um, paperwork still applies as an FFL, but that's fairly straightforward across any state. Well, it's so funny. Um, I guess I got spoiled here in Montana because all Montana did, and a lot of our laws are this way is they just take the federal law and adopt the federal law. Um, so, you know, in, in Montana, there's no sales tax. So it was always hard for me to set up with distributors because like we need your sales tax ID. I'm like, we don't have sales tax here. Like, well, we need something from you like business license. I'm like, I'm in the county. I'm not in the state, yeah. in, the, in the city. So there's no business licenses. So like, I have an FFL like, yeah, but we need something from the state. I'm like, cause I, it, cause I was a sole proprietor. It wasn't like I was an LLC or anything I'm like, yeah. Well, I got this ABN, which is the assumed business name from the Secretary of State. Like, we'll take it. We'll just take something from the state. <laughs> something um, showing something. Yeah, yeah. Something showing something from the state. And it, it was. It, we got a little. I got a little spoiled here, and I hear. Uh, it, that's what I love talking about. Talking to FFLs in other states. Going, all right. It, it was. It was kind of easy here. What did you guys have to go through? And then, yeah. uh, you know, for here we just had. It's Nick's. But the one problem we had is like right when you were moving cross country, we had a mass influx coming in from, well, California into Montana. And one of the problems we had was they're like, you know, I'd sell I'd start, I'd sell a gun. You know, people are coming here and they're thinking it's like the Wild West here. And they're like, (laughs) I'm like, no, we have laws. Yeah. Federal laws, but we do have laws here. Like, you know, um, I had one kid buy a, a he bought a, a revolver off of, you know, online and he came to pick it up and he was a student here. So he came in with a Washington state driver's license and he was under 21. Yeah. And he was like so pissed off. I couldn't get him this gun. Right. I'm like, dude, we do have laws here. Right. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Uh, and, and, and I don't care what state you went to, just because you bought a handgun and you had you know, you were outside of the state of Washington, there's no FFL that is legally allowed to give you that gun. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just fun. It's just it's I always I always find it interesting talking to other you know other FFLs about what their experiences were. Um, and everybody out there, the, this does get to be a problem. Don't trust me just because it was easier here in Montana. It doesn't mean it was easy. Sure. Um, uh, I just didn't, I just had to, didn't have the state problems. I've just had the federal problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now you guys have expanded a little bit now. Um, yeah. yes, you, you sell guns, you sell parts, you're, you're doing some, you're doing gunsmithing work, but now you have your own parts coming out, right? Correct. Talk a little um, bit about that. Sure. So, um, trying to think where. So, so my my obviously my background is uh, CNC machining, engineering, design, things like that. That's that's kind of where I came from um, into the gun world. So, I'd always kind of tinkered with parts and machining, and um, I'm trying to think. 
if we had, I mean, we'd have little things that we'd make, um, you know, like the, the drill sets and things. We didn't manufacture the drills, but we'd put them together for right. people to complete uh, their MUP ones, you know, better quality drills and so on and so forth. So some of those were kind of like our own, you know, branded items. Um, but, but now, yeah, as of recently, I would say within the last year, we've really started pushing well, not pushing, but, but dabbling in our own components, uh, for, I would say specifically the three P320 at the moment. Um, so one thing, I guess we kind of see where the market's lacking, where, um, where Sig Sauer is not pushing in a direction and try and, you know, you're, fill, you're filling that, the gaps. fill that void. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so recently we came out with the uh, P320 10 millimeter barrels uh, that that we manufacture ourselves, um, and they uh, actually we have them threaded. So I don't know if you can see that. So that's our our packaging and everything. Um, I'm bringing it full screen so everybody can see that. Yeah. So there that's our uh, blue PVD coated P320 10 millimeter barrel with threads. Uh, which actually is, is an item that SIG doesn't offer at the moment, um, nor nor do they offer replacement barrels for the P320 10 millimeter either. Um, yeah. So we we had kind of dabbled in the 10 millimeter world uh, as far as the P320 goes uh, several years ago before the X10 came out, um, just by uh, you know kind of piecing together a few parts, modifying some existing uh, barrels and um shooting 10 millimeter out of them so i would say i don't remember exactly when but you know to i think back in california i had a, a 10 millimeter p320 <laughs> um, Man, that's that's way before sig was released a, a p320. yeah so that was i mean i would say 2018 2019 um and i helped a few of our, our our good customers in san diego um kind of build their own as well so there's a few out there um kind of before this x10 came out um but what we weren't seeing was really any support for that so that's where we kind of started pushing towards barrels um slides and a you know recoil system to kind of uh be able to build your own p320 p320 and 10 millimeter and tune it how you want um and build it from an existing P320. So whether it be nine millimeter, 40, 357 or 45, be able to essentially convert that to 10. So that's, I guess, kind of where the idea started. Um, and sure enough, as soon as the 10 millimeter came out, you know, we're, we're looking at it, figuring out how, how exactly they did it. And um, it's actually built off of a nine millimeter uh, fire control unit. So I would have thought I would have thought they'd build it off the 45. Yeah, that was so when I when I built my first one, that's what I built it off of was a 45. Um, so you can actually build it off of either. <laughs> um, and I think I mean just with the availability of the nine millimeter FCUs, it was you know a good idea. Well, um, well, because and, now and the, 40, the 45 the 45 caliber P320 is kind of SIG's bastard child, right? I mean, 
Correct. <laughs> um, they they just don't they have it. Like I, I have one, right? Um, but really, I mean, they just killed like half of the SKUs a couple of years ago for the forty-five. Yep. Uh, it's kind of like they did it just to do it, and it's like crap. Now we got this thing that we have to maintain. <laughs> It, yeah, it, yeah, it's true. Um, there, you know, I think they made one of every size in in forty five. You know, uh, they there are some subcompacts out there from what I've hear, heard, heard, but I've yet to see any. Um, they yeah. made compacts and they still make compacts today. Um, the carry model was there, I think, for a little bit, and as well as the full size. So you can get some of those parts, I think, from their website still, like full-size slides. I've seen those within the last month or so. Um, but the 10 millimeter, I think, is, I think, a lot more interesting. Current, you know, it, it kind of fills a little bit of that niche and yeah. a little bit of that that interest that people have now in the 10 millimeter. Um, so I believe there's a bit more more interest, really. Um, See, if you're you know, like here in Montana, because we have we, these big things called grizzly bears yeah. and bobcats, um, if, if you're not in a revolver, you know, if you're not in a, a like a 44 or you know even a 357, um, Glock in 10 millimeter rules the, the woods here. Yeah. Right. Just because I mean, essentially you have the horsepower of a 357 Magnum in a semi-auto. Correct. Um, yeah. 10 millimeters got, I, I mean, I remember when 10 millimeter came out well, a long time ago. Um, and I, I was, I, I just didn't quite, you know, I scratched my head about it. And then now it's just like 10 millimeter is starting to hit its stride. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's a lot more offerings now from other manufacturers, um, and Sig now has two 10 millimeter P320s out. Uh, I'm I don't know if you've seen the the I think they just call it the 10 millimeter X Comp or something like that. So it's they're kind of taking the idea of their macro pistol, the P365 macro, and the um, P320 uh, AXG Legion, which has the integrated comp and um incorporating that into their 10 millimeter pistol so they've got a little bit shorter slide from what i understand it runs a 3.8 inch barrel or so has the integrated compensator and runs a smaller uh grip module or well same size magazine shorter rail yeah. um so kind of like a carry type i, I guess more geared towards carrying um than a, a than a full size pistol would well, you know, I'm going to bring your web page up here for a second. Sure. Um, one thing I was looking at, uh, which is why I was slow getting over to you when you're holding your barrel up. You have your barrel, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. You have your uh, 10 millimeter barrel. You also have it in stainless steel. And uh, here's your blue PVD. Now, are you doing the PVD in in house? Then, uh, no. No, we send, we send, uh, actually at the moment, we do send all our coatings out. Okay. Because I know PVD is a, I mean, it's, that's not like Cerakote. I mean, you just don't spray that stuff on. But then down your hair, here you have your comps now. Um, since you have your threaded barrels, you're coming <laughs> up with some comps. Correct. Um, so uh, these are yet to be released. 
Um, they're currently in production. Uh, we have our designs finalized and um, we are going to be releasing uh, these thread on compensators uh, for the uh, X10 pistols um, to use, you know, with our threaded barrels. You may be able to use other, uh, other threaded barrels out there, but um, uh, we don't know yet. We'll, we know they work with ours. Um, well, of course, it's, you're going to work with yours because that's yeah. what you got. Um, exactly. Uh, uh, you know, it's the, yeah. No, it's, you see, that's what's cool. I love that. I love that you guys are starting to, to think about this stuff. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's funny. I was trying to, did, did you guys put your slide up on your website yet? Uh, it is. Yeah. We've, we've sold our first batch of slides. Cool. Um, I think you you can find it if you just search uh, A10 is what we're calling them the uh, the A10 yeah. series. Um, they uh, so the first batch uh, sold. We've got a second batch coming here. I think before the end of the year. Um, but what we've been doing with these is se selling them and building them complete. So um, there's a few companies out there. I mean that that offer that as well. Um, but you know you get your slide and then you got to buy all the parts to put it on to put on it and uh we're selling these as complete assemblies minus uh barrel and recoil spring um but these first few batches uh we are going to um we're actually including a barrel and recoil spring uh with nice. that purchase so it's going to be ready to to install onto um any really any p320 fire control unit so as long as you have the fire control unit configured properly um which a nine millimeter fcu only requires two different parts in there to be able to work with 10 and 45 um, and once you do that then uh you can run 10 millimeter out of that nine millimeter fcu see i love the design of this thing now you get you kind of have a little bit of the x10 design right here in the front with the line going down correct but then look at all of that um all of that grip right there to rack your slide i mean you guys yeah. put a lot of serrations into that i mean basically if you can grab this if you can grab that slide you can rack it yeah um it was just you know we kind of played with a few different designs um we kind of like the simplicity of this also in machining and makes it a little bit uh, simpler to yeah. machine, um, but still adds, you know, enough style. Um, and uh, obviously areas to grab onto um, without being too aggressive. So uh, it's kind of a, a good, I would say middle of the road. It's, it's, yeah, it's more good, aggressive it's than, it, excuse me. It's a good balance that you, you came up with. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's definitely, it's more aggressive than a factory slide, um, but not as aggressive, you know, to where it's, it's just, it's, true it's not like a, it's, it's not like, um, why can I not remember the name? It's the Beretta, um, the third pistol, um, a, the APX, the APX, like dude, the APX, it's just like the gaps are like this wide. I mean, you, you look at, that's the one problem I, about the APX is I look at it and go, the the serrations make that gun look ugly. I mean, <laughs> I I get your purpose for it, but 
it's an ugly gun. It's a little, it's a little much. Yeah, yeah. I I got you. Um. So and and the other the other kind of design consideration was um, uh, eliminating any you know holes that went through into the slide, just for right. reliability sake. Right. We didn't want. We knew these were going to be kind of potentially duty guns, bear guns, uh, whatever you call it. So we didn't want dirt, grit, all that stuff getting in there. So we kept it a solid slide um, and also solid for the weight. So we wanted to keep as much weight on the slide as possible to kind of tame the 10 millimeter. You know, the loads are all over the place. You could yeah. you know, shoot essentially like a 40 type load up to, you know, your full sammy spec loads um and um yeah yeah so that that was kind of uh where we where we went with that design and also um uh, as far as it uh the footprint for the optic it's it's rmr uh which will also allow you that's, that's the thing that drives me nuts with sig <laughs> um <laughs> sig I, I understand they have their whole electro dot uh, thing and they want to do yep. their thing, but my God, sake, would you just <laughs> give us something that we can use? Sure. <laughs> um, so, so uh, yeah, we 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 decided to uh, stick with the RMR footprint, which allows you to use obviously Trijicon optics, um, as well as the some of the Hollow Sun, you know, five hundred seven, four hundred seven series. Like, um, like this is my X. This is my uh, X five. So this is my competition gun. And I wanted to run something other than that. And I had to get a plate <laughs> to convert the slide to do this, which is great because you don't, with your slide, you won't have to do something this stupid. Correct. To run, to run a dot that you wanted to. Correct. And, and also it's actually, it's kind of funny. So I think somewhere, I don't know if you can still find it, but I know when the X10 initially came out, um, their footprint obviously on that, on that slide is for their, you know, uh, for their optic or Delta Point Pro, yeah. um, but they actually suggest not to run their um, Romeo One Pros on the 10 millimeter pistols. So you have Put to a little too much strain on that optic. Yeah, I think so. So you have to, uh, I think, bump up to one of their other uh, Romeo optics that can handle the recoil. Um, so we we just went kind of with the more industry standard uh, RMR footprint on yeah, that. that. I mean, that's pretty much it. The RMR, the RMR footprint one, if, if, if a company is not supporting that footprint, they're just, I think they're just doing it just to be, you know, just to be difficult, you know? <laughs> um, but no, it, it's, it's true. Cause I mean, I, I don't know how many times it's just like, seriously, I got to put a, I got to put a conversion plate, like my 365 XL again, I put a conversion plate on it to run the optic that I want. Yep. Um, on my 365, well, this is this is my old 365 slide. I now have a Lone Wolf Dawn um, uh, slide, which that is cut for the you know the R, what, RMSC footprint um, okay. for the small for the small RMR. It, they want. <laughs> people just 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 get with it and it, 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 they want yep that is so cool so how did you i mean when you started designing that slide where where did did you like have a, a thought in your head going okay this is this is 
what SIG has? Or did you, you know, we're going to fix it? Or did you have like a design already kind of set? Um, I think I think it was pretty much already set. Um, we wanted to essentially replicate the factory slide with, you know, with some minor improvements. Um, not, nothing too drastic. Uh, just something that you could... Uh, you know, use to build your P320 10 millimeter, um, but also, you know, have a little bit of, uh, you know, styling, uniqueness, um, and kind of brand it towards us, I guess, to some extent. Like, you, you know, you see that slide and um, you kind of associate that's, it with, with yeah, us. Yeah, that's you. Yeah. Um, it's so funny because I keep on, on another screen here, I'm looking, I keep looking at your slide and I look down at my X5. Now, look at your slide, looking down at my X5 going, my God, why couldn't Sig have figured that, figured that out with the, with the cocky serrations? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. They're, I, I mean, I guess they don't want them to be too aggressive so they can kind of cater but, to everybody. But we're talking about a company that sells duty guns, you know? True, I mean, true. We're, we're talking about a company who sells guns who to agencies who literally say, that if you lose your support hand or even your strong hand and you need to reload, there's something on this gun that you're going to put on your belt to rack it. Yeah. These, these serrations are just not going to do it. <laughs> now with, with optics, it's just the key. I, even I got lazy and I start putting little, you know, I start racking with my optic now. Yeah. Um, which I'm not supposed to do, but it's, it's just there. <laughs> sure. Sure. Makes, makes it easier. Definitely. So, uh, one thing, one thing we did incorporate, you know, getting to the, uh, you know, kind of that footprint, um, which I don't see much. Well, I see on some slides, but not every slide um, is those recoil lugs uh, on the front for the RMR. Um, a lot of guys yeah, are using the recoil lugs. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we, we've, we've milled, uh recoil lugs you know into the footprint of that that rmr cut um rather than oh, using awesome. the, the screws uh as posts as well um and uh yeah if you want to see i've got this is our kind of our shop example here we called this our 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 bear gun so we gave it we gave it a little wrap and gave it some kind of battle worn look to it and it's got our threaded barrel with our little mini um the little mini thread comp, comp. There. I, I saw that yeah and of course rmr no sights on it at the moment um but this is kind of just our demo gun with uh this is actually our first slide um that we used uh or sorry not our not our first slide that we used but this this is our first production slide um that we're using for this demo gun um, and that it's just a raw uh, heat treated finish with no coating on it. So that's kind of how we get that kind of brownish tone to yeah. it and incorporated it into the uh, kind of, I guess, the theme of the gun, so to speak. See, it's so funny when you start talking to people like for me, before I started doing Cerakote work, I was like, I got to protect the finish of a gun and, and, 
when I started doing Saracoca work, then I started going into Kydex holsters and, you know, because I was always like, Kydex is going to screw up the finish of your gun and, and all this stuff. And then I was like, it, it became a tool. It, that's when my, my, my firearms truly became a tool um, because I got to the point where I was like, yeah, I'll just Saracoca it. <laughs> I yeah. mean, um, it, it just, it, I, I, and then you start going, okay, I can Saracoca it, but, do I really want it black, right? Do I want to? Do I really want to start coat this thing graphite black, or do I want to do tungsten or burnt bronze? And then, then you start thinking about themes of guns, and yeah. that's what I love about that gun is, is you can tell someone who's who's been working. I mean, you know, you had to design that slide and everything. You now got a theme for your your demo gun. That's just awesome. Thanks. Thank you. That's so awesome. Well, anyways, for everybody who's been been watching or listening, um, we have links down below to get to AB Prototype. Um, go check them out. Look, seriously, I've bought products from Alex. Uh, they, the customer service is great. I, I get a lot of comments back. So go support Alex and AB Prototype because they have got some stuff. And trust me, that cut into the back of the FCU is uh, I mean, because when I first got that FCU and I'm looking all over, I'm looking for burrs, I'm looking for, I'm, I, I mean, I was like with a magnifying glass trying to see that. I'm like, it's clean. It's this is not the work he's doing is not like you know someone was sitting there with a Dremel and a file and trying to cut this. It's it's professional. So the work they do is is amazing. Now we've been Thank rolling you. about. 55 minutes and I know it's getting late there for you. I mean, you're doing this after hours there at the shop. Correct. I want to wrap up and just kind of loosen up a little bit with a speed round. So it'll All be right. four this or that questions and then one thinking question. So we're going to start off and I know the audience gets so sick of hearing about this one, but hearing protection is kind of important for me, especially since this year I started wearing hearing aids because I'm losing my hearing. Um, that's key kid going to concerts and all that stuff and the Walkman generation. So, you know, protect your hearing. So when you go to the range, earplugs or earmuffs? Um, believe it or not, I do both. <laughs> See, and it was so funny. That is, um, I got to start asking that. I, I, when I ask this, I'm going to have to start asking for three because more times than not, I'm getting both now. I even yeah. had a company on that makes hearing protection, in-ear hearing protection, um, which is really, really good stuff. But even he's like, when you're in indoors, man, double up, even when you're wearing our yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, so yes, that's what I would say is uh, indoor shooting. I definitely, I use both. I've got plugs and then, and then earmuffs. Um, outdoor shooting, it's earmuffs. Um, okay. Just. For simplicity, easy on, easy yeah. off. Yeah, um, yeah, I because I earplugs were really for me didn't start until I started getting into. I mean, as a kid, I had molded ones, and then but then you know, I was a kid and I grew out of them. Sure. So I just always did muffs, and I never liked the foamies. They used to drive me nuts, but now the new, um, now the new hearing protection is like way different. Um, yeah. And now that, you know, because I'm a pistol guy, so earmuffs never bothered me. 
Um, but now when I start to play with rifles, they start yeah. knocking up against stocks and it drives me nuts. It's true. But now I, I, I used to always be muffs. Um, let's see here. How about this? 45 or 10 millimeter? <laughs> um, as far as personal preference or... There's two guns. There's two guns. There's the exact same guns laying down in front of you. One's in 45 and one's 10 millimeter. Which one do you pick up first? I might I might pick up the 10, 10 millimeter now. Yeah, I think, it, uh, it, it, go ahead. That go ahead. 10 is, that 10 is becoming more and more popular. Um, yeah. it, it is. Uh, I, I, I like it. I, I don't get me wrong. I, lo I, I still like my 45s. Sure. But there's just something about that 10 millimeter. It's just starting to really grow on. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's so a few years ago, I'd probably say 45. Um, I have a few 45 pistols uh, myself as well as a 45 AR. Um, oh, wow. There you go. And uh, now, you know, with our with our. Um, kind of dabble in the p320 10 millimeter um i've been shooting a lot more 10 millimeter just in our <laughs> testing and and yeah. so on and so forth um and i'm i'm definitely starting to see the appeal and and appreciate it you know appreciate um kind of what it can do and uh you know if you look at the the specs you know the velocities and and um, it's, it's things an like that it's amount. It is, it is pretty impressive. Um, yeah, so it could definitely pack a punch. So let's see here. Um, all right, since you brought the AR up, AR or AK? Uh, I would say AR, but not far behind is the AK. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it because you live in Tennessee now, or is it just generally? Uh, no, I'm just in in general, um, I would say you know AR. It's much easier to build in multiple calibers. Yes, um, yes, it is. You know, we we build them for customers all the time. We've got two here on the wall, uh, in forty five actually, and one in ten millimeter. So um, nice. those are ones that we built here in shop. You know, as well as the five five six three zero eight. Um, uh, I think we yeah we've got a nine millimeter up there as well. But you can, you know, you, you can go way beyond that into odd, you know, kind of wildcat or oddball calibers. It, it's funny. Um, um, one of my one of my customers way back when, um, he, his goal was is to build an AR in every caliber that it could be built in. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's, that's a few ARs. And then I think one time he came in, he goes, I'm not building 200 ARs. I was going to say, yeah, you're, you're going to be up there. Um. <laughs> it, it's amazing how many calibers you can do. Uh, let's see here. So would you rather clean a gun or reload ammo? Um, I would say reload. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not big on the cleaning. <laughs> Yeah, the, the cleaning is more tedious, I would say, than at least for me. Um, now, I, have, I haven't done much reloading, but the little bit that I have done, 
you know, it's there's some finesse and you, you know, yeah. you can you can kind of tune it's, it how you want. Whereas cleaning is more work. mature. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cleaning is kind of mindless work. Correct. Whereas, yeah. Reloading, you're, you're, you're paying attention. Uh, even for me, I'm looking at, you know, I have a Dylan 650. It's like, I got to make sure I don't throw, you know, I don't throw a double charge. And sure. yeah. Um, every once in a while, I got to pull, I got to pull around and weigh it, make sure it's still throwing the right powder charge. <laughs> yeah. Whereas cleaning yeah. is just like, all right. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, I had Dustin Sanchez from um, uh, Real Abbott on, and he's a competition shooter, and both of us hate cleaning nuts. Yeah. Um, and he's like, and I sell cleaning products. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for your thinking question, I'm going to take you into the world's largest armory. And inside this armory has one of anything that has ever thrown a projectile. It could be anything from Dennis the Menace's slingshot to a deck gun off the Missouri. And it's been cleared by every possible government agency that would ever stand in the way that you get to walk away with one of anything inside here. <laughs> what are you choosing? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, there, there'd be a few there. Um, and the problem with this question is, is like, do I go like realistic or do I go like wild? Right? Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, and then do you, yeah. And what era do you go modern? Yeah. What, yeah. Do you go, you know, well, we've, had, we've, had anything, we've had anything from a Gatling gun, like the old crank Gatling guns yep. all the way up, um, uh, twice this happened was the um, GAL-8, which is the Gatling gun on the front of the uh, A-10 Warthog. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. And okay. Um, the one guy that uh, – one of the guys said – he's a pilot. He goes, so I figured that basically they build the aircraft around the gun, so you got to give me the aircraft. So I get like a, I get two things at once. I get an <laughs> aircraft plus a gun. True. Um, man, I'm trying to think. I mean, I think for me, I'd, I'd be more – I would say I would aim towards re realistic and practical. Yep. Um, I mean, I know there's some guns that I, that I want to see that I haven't. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, this might sound kind of weird and it's not that great of a gun, but it, I have yet to see one in person. Um, uh, HK. What is it? HKP seven. Yeah. Um, I right. actually think that gun came up in this question a few months ago. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. No, I, I, I can see that. So, you know, that's not a, it's like a little bit of a collector item, but it's not too obscure and it's a little more realistic. Um, I have yet to see one ever really. I mean, I don't know tons about them. Yeah, um, I don't know I've, if I'd pay that much for one <laughs> now, but well, you're getting one free, so you know, sure. <laughs> um, um, it, it's funny because I had I had someone that like, well, what about ammo? I'm like, I'm giving you your gun. You got to feed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, okay. And it's funny once you once they're not getting the ammo for it, 
how suddenly they come down to a little more practical. Sure. Sure. It, it, yeah, it, it, uh, it's gotta be realistic, I guess at some point. Yeah. One of my, one of my all time guns that I'd love to own was, um, was it the, the Johnson that competed against the M1 Grand and lost. Okay. Okay. Where it had yeah. the, yeah, that rotary magazine you could feed into the side. Yeah. Um, I saw one, it's funny, I saw one at a gun show a couple months ago. And I'm just like looking at it. And my wife's like, oh, hell no. <laughs> She's not for that price. <laughs> she goes, I don't mind if you pick up like a grain for a couple of thousand, but there's no way you're spending like $15,000 on that. <laughs> so. Well, Alex, man, it has been great having you on. I really appreciate you making some time to come on. Uh, right, it's well, great you. catching up with you and and hearing about, you know, how how you started and where you are now. I mean, you you truly have like the American you know entrepreneurial story here. Uh, well, thanks. Starting yeah, yeah. the the literal starting in the garage and then yes, working your yeah. way all the way up. <laughs> so. Um, everybody, again, uh, I have the links down below in the description. So if you're out there driving around, it's you don't have to worry about you know writing down a website, which is abprototype.com. But we have that down below, so that way you can just come back, check out that description, and then get over to see everything that Alex has been talking about and even more because it's tough going through his website and not look at the other stuff too. So, Alex, thanks again for joining All us. All right, Jason. Yes, thank, thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, hope to see you again soon. Absolutely. That was the first time I've ever talked to Alex. I mean, we've exchanged emails and, and talked through like chats on instant messaging and stuff like that. But that's actually the first time the two of us have actually been able to talk to each other. And it was really good having him on. Like I said, his parts are in my videos. Um, you know, even the P365, you know, conversion from no safety to manual safety, the, all those parts in there are actually from AB Prototype. Um, I just ran into the sales receipt. I was cleaning up the, you know, some paperwork here and digitizing some stuff. And I found that sales receipt from AB Prototype from when I did that but back in 20, uh, 2000, uh, 2021. Wow. Um so go check out AB Prototype. I have a link down below. Now, for the product of the podcast, it is Freedom Crew University. People, New Year's coming up. Why not learn a new skill? Over at Freedom Crew University, we'll teach you how to build something like P320. Want to build a Glock? Got Glock cases, uh, classes there where we have um, Marine Gun Builder, and actually I helped him out with one of the Glock build classes. Um, great class. We have Babyface P teaching AK-47s. That's a cool class. And uh, we have Will from Shogun Customs teaching stippling. I mean, come on, this is some really cool stuff. Definitely go learn a new skill in 2024. And you can do that at Freedom Crew University, and you're not going to break the bank. Go check it out. I have a link down below. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, click that video right there. That video is the one-year review of the Saver case. They effed up, and they admitted it, and it's in that video. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there. I look forward to talking to you again soon.